I'm going to jump right into the teaching this morning. As uh, Ed so clearly put it, uh, we are talking about and uh, teaching about the teachings of Jesus, who was the greatest teacher who ever lived. And so I want to capitalize on the three points that Ed made in the video there. The first one that was, is that Jesus claimed in his teaching, and not only what he taught, but how he lived and how he behaved, that he was, in fact, uh, the Son of God and God himself. Now, Ed made reference to this in the video, that uh, some uh, critics of the Christian faith actually say that uh, Jesus never claimed to be God. And in fact, uh, Jesus only claimed to, to be God in the Gospel of John itself. And if you read the Gospel of John, clearly, again and again, Jesus says, you know, I am the I am. I mean, how, how more clear can you get than that? I am, because I am God. Uh, but uh, Jesus also claims in the other Gospels that he is God as well. I'm going to share just one example with you. Uh, Matthew 4, 4 is actually my life verse uh, for this season of my, my life. And Jesus is being tempted by the devil. He had been uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, you can only imagine that he is pretty hungry. And uh, Satan comes to him and says, uh, Jesus, if you are the son of God, you can tell these stones right here to turn into bread and, and they will obey you and you will have bread to eat and you will be satisfied. But Jesus shoots right back at Satan and he says, it is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus not only rebukes Satan there and uh, uh, sustains himself by the word of God, quoting Deuteronomy there where it says man should not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God but he was also saying that I am God because as Jesus gets begins his teaching and uh, Ed talked about the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to spend a great deal of our time in together this morning. Uh, as Jesus begins to teach the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew, the writer uh, accounting f- uh, for uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he begins uh, the introduction to the sermon this way. He says, and Jesus, as the crowds were gathered, he opened his mouth and began teaching them. Just another small way in where Jesus and the scriptures and the gospel writers are saying, yes, in fact, Jesus is God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The mouth of God looks like this book, but it also looks like Jesus's mouth. And so he opened his mouth and he began teaching them. We'll look at some of what he taught them in just a second. The second point that uh, Ed made in the video was this good news, bad news, that uh, Jesus taught about you and about me. He taught that uh, people are sinful by nature. The fact that uh, left our, on our own devices apart from God, we would choose to, <clears throat> to run our life into ruin and into misery and into pain and ultimately into death. Left on our own accord, that's what we would choose because it's in our nature. But the good news is that Jesus came to, to die uh, and to live and to show us a different way. That in fact, if we confess our sins to him, through him, uh, he can reconcile us to a holy God and thereby spending all eternity in glorious splendor and majesty of which we can only begin to imagine on this earth. Now, 
uh, as great as that sounds, uh, Christianity and Jesus' teaching isn't just about getting a get-out-of-jail-free card and spending eternity into heaven. Uh, the teaching of Jesus uh, goes much beyond that. In fact, Jesus says that not only do I want you to have life there ever af- after with me in heaven for all eternity with our Father who is perfect and amazing, but I want you to begin to experience some of that life right now in this life. I want you to experience life to the full. I want you to experience abundant life. And it's right here that we're going to spend the rest of our time together looking at some uh, key areas in our lives where we can either uh, let the ways of this culture, our habits, our own doing, uh, kill, steal, and destroy uh, from the joy and the fullness that Jesus offers us. Or we can decide that, yes, we're going to dive into what Jesus taught. We're going to try to follow him and begin to experience the abundant life right here on earth. So the verse is John 10.10. 10. Ed quoted it in the video, and it's in the bulletin this morning. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, so that they may have life and have it to the full. Life to the full. Just a side note here. Um, this is going to be the daily scripture reading on Saturday this week. And so if you have not already signed up to receive our daily reading, uh, go to our website and sign up. You can get it on your computer. It can get sent to your smartphone. If you're smarter than a smartphone, uh, you can go pick up a bookmark and uh, follow along in the bookmark and put it in your Bible and, and get it that way. But uh, that's coming up on uh, Saturday, John 10.10. 10. I want to use this first, though, this morning to have you do an exercise with me as we go through Jesus' teaching. Uh, Jesus is comparing and contrast two ways of living. Uh, there's one way of life that does, in fact, kill, steal, and destroy, ultimately, your heart. Uh, but Jesus offers another way, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of excitement and fulfillment. And so I want to ask you to take a situation report of your heart and of your life as we go through some specific teachings of Jesus. I learned this term from my father who was in the Navy. He said we would be uh, doing our thing and the commander would come in and he says, I want to sit rep. And they understood that what he was asking for was a situation report. How are things right now? And then the commander's job is to make sure that however things are going right now, it's going to get better from there on out, and they're going to accomplish their mission. And so if Jesus' mission was to offer us an abundant life, uh, let's take a time out, take a situation report of our lives, and uh, figure out what we can do better to find the fullness that Jesus offers. So now we're, I've chosen five verses from the Sermon on the Mount. Again, Ed said that the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest teachings ever, that psychologists all over say it's one of the greatest moral teachings. Whether you believe in the divinity of Jesus or not, if you follow these principles, it is going to bless your life to some extent. So we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So what Jesus is doing is he's addressing a cultural phenomenon that had gone on. Some of the ways that people were living, in fact, were uh, were norms that were based on Old Testament scripture. And so he's addressing some of that. But what Jesus is doing is he's elevating some of the Old Testament teaching and he's taking it to a higher level. And the teachings that were, were not biblical, that they were following, he was saying, just forget those altogether and do this better thing. So... 
He says, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, don't murder, but, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But Jesus says in verse 22, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. When we look at those verses, when we look at verse 21, where he says, you've heard it said, do not murder. And if we were to take a sit rep of our lives right there at that point, we would probably, most of us would probably say, yeah, we're, we're good. We're okay. Haven't murdered anyone. But again, Jesus ups the ante and he says, but have you been angry with your brother? Have you been angry with anybody? Have you called anybody a fool? I'm just curious. Maybe I caught some of you this morning calling me a fool for wearing that silly hat this morning. I don't know. That's between you and God. My ego can handle it if you did call me a fool. But I just want want to illustrate the point that Jesus here is elevating elevating this this issue to a whole different place. That it's not just about uh, killing or not killing, but it's about your heart and are you thinking highly of people or are you calling people a fool? I had had some fun on Friday night. I went to the Gladbrook-Rheinbeck football game and by the way, they won 31-21. It was a fun game and I was rather chilly that night. So I had uh, two pairs of socks on, two pairs of pants and I had four layers on my upper body and it wasn't actually until it started raining and I actually put my rain jacket on, on top of all those four layers that I was actually warm. But so I'm watching the game and I'm standing beside the bleachers and there's a a student uh, standing there and he's in a sweatshirt and uh, shorts. And uh, I you can just imagine the guy, the guy's probably pretty cold. And uh, just as I'm observing this, a classmate of his comes walking by, looks at him and says, "Uh, you're an idiot. You're wearing shorts. And I took a situation report just mentally there and thought about that for a second. Uh, here's this kid wearing shorts, obviously not a smart move by any means. And what was the benefit of the classmate telling him that he was an idiot? The the guy probably already felt pretty bad that he was wearing shorts and, and uh, he tried to explain to her that he was going somewhere else and ended up at the game and so was just there in shorts. But her this person's comment to him it didn't, I'm sure it didn't make him feel any better. Probably made him feel worse. In fact, I saw his head just uh, sink down and say, yeah, I am an idiot. Really didn't make her feel any better. And she went, went, went on her way. I want you to think about in your own life. Have you called anybody a fool? Have you thought less of somebody because of something they did? I was uh, at lunch a while back with uh, somebody and uh, they said, you're a dipstick. And I'm probably right. I am a dipstick sometimes. But didn't didn't help my soul. I know it didn't help his soul. How about in your life? Do you have anybody in your life that you would call a fool? Have you been angry with anybody? You guys have heard uh, one of my standing rules in my house and try to uh, lift it up at chaos as well. It comes from First Thessalonians 5.11. It says, encourage one another, build one another up just as you are doing. And uh, so my boys, you've heard this story, are arguing one day and say, boys, knock it off. Knock it off, boys. Eh. I said, boys, you know what First Thessalonians 5.11 says? Eh. I said, encourage one another, build one another up. And I thought, you know, I'll proclaim the word of God and then certainly it'll stop. And of course it didn't stop. And I said, boys, let me summarize First Thessalonians 5.11 for you. Build up or shut up. And then finally, 
they got quiet and then uh, laughter erupted. Dad said, shut up. He swore. There anybody in your in your life that uh, you're angry with? Anybody you need to go reconcile with? If you read the further context of this verse, Jesus says that this issue is so important that uh, if you know of somebody that has something against you or you have something against somebody else, you go even before you give your offering to service of God and you go and you reconcile with them. And then after you reconcile with them, then you come back to me. If you take a situation report in your life and you re- realize the fact that uh, maybe you have called people fool, maybe you are angry with them, and you can quickly realize that that's not giving you the fullness of life that you want or anybody else wants in your life. And so <clears throat> you can follow Jesus and <clears throat> take inventory and say, I'm not going to call anybody a fool. Uh, I visited with Jennifer just a little bit last night about this, and uh, this is not to say that you can't give helpful feedback to a close, trusted friend if they are doing something silly. You know, you can go bring them, bring it to their attention. Says, "Don't know if you're aware of this, but that move wasn't so smart." And you can do that. But what Jesus is driving at here is your heart, and do you believe the fact that everyone, regardless of whether they're a follower of Christ or not, it has intrinsic value in and of themselves just because they have been made by God. So that's the first verse. Second verse we're going to look at is Matthew 5:38. Uh, Jesus says, "You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." So again, he's he's contrasting a former teaching and he's going to give a better teaching, a better way of life. And he says in verse 39, "But I tell you, do not resist an evil person, and if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also." elevating a whole new way of living for countless numbers of people that day and for us as well. Now, I want to be clear of what Jesus is not saying here. You can take this verse to the extreme and, and the unhealthy extreme and believe that it's teaching that if you're in an abusive relationship, that uh, you should stay there and you should just keep taking that abuse. So if you're in an abusive relationship, mentally, emotionally, physically abusive, Jesus is not saying stay in that relationship. But what Jesus is actually saying is do not escalate the abuse and the harm that is being done. So when someone hits you on the cheek, don't escalate, don't power up and, and strike back at them, but de-escalate, turn the other cheek, or just walk away. Don't make it worse. I was with some friends not too long ago, and we were driving around helping somebody move, and uh, one of the guys saw a Volkswagen Beetle, and they said, slug bug, and popped the other guy right on the shoulder and and then uh so he's like ow and that hurts and then a few minutes later there's another volkswagen so he caught that one first and he pops him right back on the shoulder and this thing just escalated and escalated for almost two hours and i'm like my arm's black and blue and no one's even hitting me just watching this this take place and just escalate escalate i said finally uh, like guys stop like not tooth for a tooth like turn the other cheek Give each other a break. Don't escalate. I was in uh, uh, college at the time. Uh, this happened. A friend of mine was at Iowa State, and he was driving home late at night. And 
he was so tired he actually fell asleep and he drifted into the uh, car that was uh, stranded at the side of the road there, uh, sideswiped him. Uh, he uh, obviously woke up, jolted him up. He pulls over and he runs because he's so concerned about the, the folks in the car that he hit. He runs and the guy that was, was in the car that got hit jumps out of his car and this guy thinks that my friend is coming to beat him up. And so he comes and before my friend even gets there, he right hooks him just right across the cheek and uh, knocks his tooth out or something. He's bleeding. And my friend says, no, 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 I'm so sorry. I just wanted to check and make sure you're all right. And then the the guy kind of settles down a little bit. And uh, sure enough, the uh, authorities come up and uh, uh, being a good officer, he got a situation report, uh, figured out all the details of what had happened. And so as they got all the details worked out, the officer says to my friend, now, would you like to uh, press charges against this gentleman? Here, my friend had sideswiped this guy's car, and the officer says, would you like to press charges on him for hitting you? And true to Jesus' teaching, my friend just says, no. Like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hold that against him. He made an honest mistake, and my, my tooth can get put back together. It'll all be okay. Wondering if something like that happened to you, if you'd be able to follow Jesus' teaching and have love and grace and mercy flow out of your heart, uh, as my friend did that day. Take a sit, sit rep in your life. Uh, are you able to live that way? Because Jesus not only offers a different way of living, but he wants to empower you to live that way, to find that fullness in life. We're going to continue in Matthew 5. Look at verse 43, another teaching along the same theme. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, uh, there's a better way. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here, Jesus ups the ante even more. And what he's ultimately saying is that every person, whether they're redeemed and following Jesus Christ or not, has uh, integral worth and they have value just because they're a human being. And I think too often in our Christian culture, we can experience... something that that often happens that uh, we mistake uh, criticizing someone and thinking less of them because they're not redeemed and they haven't found Jesus. And so, of course, when somebody hasn't found Jesus, they're going to do silly things. They're going to do uh, things that we don't think are, are right and good. That's just a reality. That does not give Christians the right to judge and condemn and ridicule somebody else, whether or not they're nice people or not. Jesus says, no matter what, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I want you to take a situation report in your life right now. Do you have anybody in your life that maybe you would consider an enemy? Maybe somebody that's done something horrifically bad to you. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of some harsh, harsh words and you think, um, this person is my enemy. I don't want anything to do with them. Well, that's fine. You don't have to have anything to do with them. But Jesus says, if you want to find that fullness in life, if you want to steer clear of way." steer clear of things that kill, steal, and destroy. You need to transform your heart through me and you need to pray for those who persecute you and you need to love your enemies. I did a sit rep on this in my own life 
And uh, I think I can honestly say I don't think I have any enemies that I, uh, I wish ill upon. Uh, but I did think of an incident uh, a while back of a gentleman that I didn't like too much. And so uh, a few years ago, I was the president of our classes. Our classes is a district of churches. Uh, we have 22 churches in our, our classes, and I was the president. And uh, I'm kind of a bold, a progressive thinker and want to try new things. And so I uh, came to a, our executive committee meeting, and I, I said, this is what I want to do for our next meeting. We're going to do this and this and this. And I saw one of the guys at the table just get vis- visually upset, and he was getting emotive, and, and he just let it fly. He says, I don't think we should do this. This is dumb. This is not right. We're not going to do this. And I had a decision to make. Was I going to power up and uh, be the president here and uh, uh, shoot him down? Or was I going to listen to him? And by God's grace, I just listened to him. I said, well, tell me more about that. Tell me why uh, you think that or, or, or the like. And he kind of calmed down. See, so I took Jesus' words to heart. Don't escalate, but de-escalate. Uh, offer him something else. Uh, <clears throat> that idea ultimately passed, and uh, we had a we had a great great meeting. The next meeting, uh, fast forward a, a couple months later, another bold visionary idea, and I I shared it with everyone and uh, got some discussion going. And this time, he actually stood up and he says, "I will not stand for this." And I got just so quiet and disappointed in my heart and I so wanted to power up and say you're wrong Uh, sit down you're just wrong God's grace I didn't a few weeks later I called him up I said hey let's go to lunch we went to lunch and I heard him out and ultimately he says to me he says I just want God to be honored and glorified in all that we do I thought really like that's what I want And we found common ground. So here's a gentleman that could have been my enemy. We found common ground, and we both want the same thing. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, he sent me an email and and said something kind of funny, and it struck me funny, and so I shot a funny one-liner back to him. And his last email to me said, Michael, you make my day. Here I have a Christian brother, a friend, where I could have had an enemy. I'm finding abundance in my soul that Jesus offers. How about in your life, situation report? Got any enemies? Got anybody you need to reconcile with? Anyone you need to have a conversation with? Try to understand more where they're coming from? Some of you uh, have people on your mind right now that you think, I wish I had the boldness to go and talk to them. Maybe don't have the boldness enough. If you're in that situation, you want to give me a call, I'll come. I'll sit and be a mediator. I'll just listen to you and I'll listen to them and I'll help you find common ground. So important, Jesus says the abundant life is found uh, when we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us. We're going to shift gears just a little bit here and look look at uh, uh, possessions and material things. Uh, first three teachings were relational in nature and certainly powerful and, and ideas that we need to take to heart. Uh, last two here are uh, uh, material in nature. Uh, first one here, Matthew 6.1. Jesus says, uh, Be careful, do not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. But if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Rather, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. 
In the culture that Jesus is addressing there, the common thing to do was if you had a big offering, you would come and you would bring fanfare around it and you might even bring a friend of yours with a trumpet and they could like sound the trumpet and you could put your offering in the bucket. And Jesus says, no, there's a better way. And certainly we see some of that in our own culture, you know, whether it be at the, the booster club listing donors. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but uh, certainly in the church, we need to follow Jesus' teaching and be secret about it, not only in the church, but uh, when we serve others, can we do it with the right heart and not uh, look for applause? Uh, so many times, uh, not so many times, I've actually done the dishes at home, and I so want Jennifer to notice it. And so I'll call it out like, Jennifer, did you notice I did the dishes? When she's done the dishes thousands and thousands of times and I haven't mentioned it, I'm seeking applause and uh, for, for that act of service and that small little gift that I tried to give my wife. But Jesus says when you do that, uh, that's your reward. That's it. But if you give in secret, uh, you will be rewarded much beyond that. Had a, just a, an amazing thing happen. I'm not going to tell you all the details because I, I still want some of the reward and the, I don't want to take the reward away from the people that made made this happen. But uh, a year ago, I got a gift that just blew me away. It was so over the top, uh, extravagant, and uh, just blessed my life to no end. In fact, I was out of town. Uh, Jennifer called me and says, you got to come home and get this right now. I said, no, I'm not coming home. It's just uh, whatever. And she told me what it was, and I just started weeping. Like, I don't deserve this. Uh, I don't need this, but it was just, just blew me away. I just started crying. I called the people that gave it to me and they couldn't understand a word I was saying because I was sobbing and just so grateful and it just really blessed my life and it blessed them for giving to me. Well, six months later, I'm praying one morning and uh, I had one of those times in my life where there was no question that God was asking me to give this to somebody else. And uh, so that morning was as powerful as the, the evening that I received the gift. And I was sobbing like a baby. I journaled it out. And uh, there's, my journal is all wet. You can see it because I was literally uh, dripping tears all over my journal. And as discreetly and as secretively as I could, I, I gave it away. Bless this person. And that gift is giving and giving and giving. And uh, my friends that gave it to me originally are reaping reward yet today. Uh, I'm reaping some reward uh, because I try to give it in secret. And uh, every time I see one of those items, it just fires me up. And I think about the person who has it now, how it's blessing their life to this day. Jesus says when you give, if, if you can, give in secret. Uh, one more uh, for us to consider. Jesus' teaching, uh, Matthew six nineteen says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and they do not steal. I had lunch with a friend a few weeks ago. He says, Mike, I've come to the conclusion that uh, whatever you own, owns you. Whatever you own, owns you. And we know that that rings true in our lives. So I want you to take a situation report right now. Is there anything that's in your possession that owns you, that takes you over the top? Um, Jesus says, don't place your hope and your security in those things because they will all disappear, but put your hope in me. I had to take a situation report in this in my own life uh, often. In fact, uh, two of the items that I love love the most, uh, physical items, are my iPod. I carry it everywhere with me, and I actually love my car. And I had to do a heart check with my car uh, a few weeks ago. 
I was uh, at Lincoln Center, and uh, I love this car. I can drive it 24-7 nonstop, and I have almost done that uh, on uh, separate occasions. But I show up at Lincoln Center, and uh, <clears throat> I forget to put it in gear, and I forget to pull the parking brake, and I run into the meeting and uh, do a little thing, and somebody comes in and says, there's a white car out in the bean field. I said, white car? Nobody here has a white car. And uh, so he says, yeah, there's a car out in the bean field. Somebody should go take a look. And I was like engrossed in the meeting. I'm like, I'm not going out there. And finally he convinces me to go out. There my car is sitting in a bean field. And it just barely missed the telephone pole there. And my heart sank. I'm like, what if my car would have hit the, the telephone pole? And I had to do a heart check. Like, am I storing up treasures in my car that's going to be destroyed anyway or not? had another heart check just yesterday. I was at Goodwill, and I love to go to Goodwill, and uh, I had my arms full of junk, and my wife looks at me, and she just shakes her head like, no, that junk is not coming home. And uh, I won that, that, that stare down, and I came home with a bunch of junk, and in a few weeks it will be recycled, and it will end up back at Goodwill. But the point is, uh, life, the abundant life that Jesus offers is not found in things on this earth but it's found in following him and following his teachings. So I encourage you to do a heart check. Uh, One of the commentators I read this week says that when Jesus taught, he taught straight to the heart. That's what we're talking about this morning in relationships and in issues dealing with your possessions. Where is your heart at? Take a situation report. Are you uh, allowing our culture, habits, uh, ways of this world to kill, steal, and to destroy your heart? Or are you living into Jesus and the abundant life that he offers you? Because he wants to strengthen you. He wants you to give you the power so that uh, you may have that life to the full. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you this morning, and I believe that every one of us here uh, wants the abundant life that you offer. Uh, we don't want uh, life to be stolen from us. We don't want uh, <clears throat> those things that hinder us, that uh, eat away at our soul, but we do, in fact, want the abundant life that you offer. So uh, we ask in Jesus' holy and precious name to draw all of us to you and uh, remind us continually again and again that uh, you're where life is found. And as we take steps of faith, uh, even if we don't know what's going to transpire, as we meet with individuals, as we uh, maybe even sell some of our possessions, but may we find that abundant life in you to the abundance of our souls and for for your glory and honor forever. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.